honor if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups and your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a matter of royal to help and heal human beings. I'm a Jedi, like my father before me. Star Wars from the back to tank. I am Michael Flores of the Emperor <laughs> and and the studio with me. And he will not betray me and throw me down a reactor shaft is David Sabal. Hello, David. No, no. I like to actually think I'm Sifo-Dyas. Yeah, that's <laughs> why I choose my my villains without children so they don't betray me later down the road. <laughs> later down the road. Now, if you find out you have a, a son that you didn't know of, then I'm going to fire you immediately. Because <laughs> then I'll be afraid. <laughs> All right, so today we're going to be talking about a comic book. One of the better Star Wars comic books to have been dropped on us, I say within the last, I say 12 months, honestly. And it's titled Star Wars TIE Fighter. We're going to be covering issue number one. Now, Star Wars TIE Fighter is a canon comic book miniseries written by Jody Hauser and illustrated by Roche Antonio, uh, the series which takes place between Star Wars Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, and Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, focuses on Shadow Wing, a group of elite TIE Fighter pilots. All right, so Jody Hauser is the writer and Roche Antonio is the the artist, the illustrator, and he has worked on a series, uh, I think most recent and I guess more acclaimed title he has worked on is is X-Men Red. Did you ever read that? Yes, I did. It's actually fairly good. Yeah, I do like his artwork, and that's why I bring him up immediately because it's kind of hard to get on the same page for me when it comes to a comic book writer and illustrator, especially with the Marvel star Wars titles. I either love the story and I hate the art or I hate the art or I love the art and I love the story. Did I just say that? Yes. I either love the (laughs) story and hate the art or I love the art and hate the story. story. Whereas with this one, Jody Hauser, which we've already gone on and on about her, uh, I would say blow her, but she's a woman, so we can't do that. We go down on her vigorously. Time and time again, right? Pretty much <laughs> time at this and time point. again. I don't care. Is that appropriate? Can we say that? I don't care if that's that time of the month. I will do it for Jody Hauser. Oh, my God, David. We're talking about the shadow wings, not the red wings. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first issue of TIE Fighter was published Mar- by Marvel Comics in April 17th, 2019. We are a little behind, but we will knock them out and get through them. Uh, Enter the Shadow Wing, the Empire's salvation, the Rebellion's doom. As the war against the Rebellion stretches on, it is the innocent people of the Galactic Empire who are most at risk. An elite squadron of TIE Fighter pilots is assembled to help protect Imperial interests and hammer the Emperor's Fury down upon the treasonous and violent rebel alliance. But how far is this untested team willing to go to preserve law and order? And are the pilots of Shadow Wing as loyal to the Empire as they seem? Okay. So number one, I love how we get a chance 
a rare chance to see a slightly different perspective. Yes. The soldiers fighting that may not be in the know. And this is something, Dave, that you and I have gone on about for a very long time. I want to say it started during an episode of Star Wars Rebels when Callus was first teased his loyalties switching sides probably a better way of saying this was teased yes and we're like oh we see what they're doing here they're trying to show that not everyone is necessarily evil yes it's about being born on one side and then assuming or expecting this side to be on the up and up and this is a page from that. And that's something that the Lucasfilm Story Group has been working on, I want to say, since the buyout. Since Disney bought out Lucasfilm, there has been a very conscious effort to push the story from just simply black and white and move it into the gray. Into the gray area. And it's one of those things that basically me and you in past shows have been harping about that. Sometimes the the story group wants to tiptoe around it, mm-hmm. but then they do like stories that really delve into well, it. Well, it really depends on the story itself. Sometimes a story dictates that you possibly should tiptoe. It might not be yeah. that story, but then you have a story like this. You have a story like this. Like, honestly, I read this, and this is the type of story that I wanted in, say, something in the mass audience. Resistance? Escape. was not, not even resistance. Battlefront. The video oh, game. Oh yes, that game That's deserved right. this type of story. I agree. But they were going down that route too. They were Dave. going down that route, and then they tiptoed around it because, and they just turned her into a rebel. And, and I remember the reasoning the the right the creative crew behind that said was they didn't want to bombard the gamer at the or their audience at that point with something so heavy because you're dealing with a game. Yeah, you're right. They missed the boat with Ida Versio, like in a big way, because she was an interesting character. She was a part of, I forgot, the Infernal Squad. Infernal Squad. And they had everything at their disposal. Like, hey, we have a character that's likable. We're going to challenge her ethics. We're going to present real ideas and scenarios that happen in war. We're going to have her question her, her leaders. But what they did was they instantly turned her to the good. <laughs> it was like a, a big, gigantic, drastic switch. There was no questioning of ethics. It was like, oh, wow, you're bad and evil. I'm joining the good side. <laughs> and it went from the gray area to bad versus good. And yes. I don't have a problem with that. I love the classic archetype and styles and themes of bad versus good or good versus evil. That's what governed much of the original trilogy in the early era of Star Wars. But now we've been there, done that. It's time to branch out a bit and explore different areas and different ideologies within Star Wars. And with Iden Versio, they just squandered it, threw it away. And I feel like the, this, the alphabet squadron, as well as this series, the tie fighter yeah. series is almost like take two. I feel like they, it does, doesn't it? It feels like they're like, you know what? We fucked up. We probably should have done this rather than what we did. And now this is them telling the story they should have told in Battlefront 2. Yes. And the, uh, and you, you mentioned it also about Resistance. This is a type of story we wanted in, say, Resistance. And 
And Resistance, I also can understand why they tiptoe around it because it's a Disney product. And yeah, it, it's it was a show geared towards children. Right. And do you really want to get into areas of, hey, guys, there's also good guys at war. war. And when you're a child and you don't have a mature mind, you might think, oh, so that means Nazi Germany was good, possibly. <laughs> exactly. They, they, yeah. They don't understand. They, things. they don't so understand. I, things. I get that. Yeah, absolutely. But Dave, as I was saying, the rare perspective, right? Uh, typically, when we're dealing with Star Wars stories that are closely connected to the Empire, we get like a maniacal, sinister look within the inside of the bad dudes. Yes. When you're dealing with Vader, we know Vader is bad. Is he complicated and conflicted? Yes. But he's a bad guy. We never look at him and say, oh, you know what? Uh, he made a good decision here. We know he's always going to make a bad decision, a selfish decision. And he's merciless. Yes. He, there's no mercy in him. Same thing with Palpatine. There is no gray. With Tarkin, there is no gray. Those stories are great, and those characters are fucking awesome, but we know what we're going to get. They're, they're not going to question the morality of Palpatine. That ship has sailed. Yes. The sh that ship has sailed with Vader when he killed younglings. They're not going to delve into that area anymore. So when we can get a story like this where they can present an argument when it comes to the gray areas, it works so well because it's it's realistic. And with this comic, in just one issue, we zoom right into the heart of controversial conflict and the perspective of war. It poses questions. It might even make some Star Wars fans a bit uncomfortable and upset that Star Wars is no longer as simple as it has been in the past. And, and when I say simple, that's not me downplaying the greatness of the original era of Star Wars. That Nothing can do that. I yes. love the prequels and I love the original trilogy, but... We've been there. We understand what those are about. Good versus evil. The fall of democracy and the rise of tyranny. Good versus evil, right? Yes. At least when you're looking at this through a, an American indoctrinated lens. And I know there's Star Wars fans that have voiced these opinions. I've seen it on social media where they say, I don't like what they're doing with Star Wars. They're making it out to be like the Rebel Alliance would be looked at as bad. The Rebel Alliance was good. They were fighting evil people and bad men, and these were the good guys. And I don't like my my black and white being muddied. Well, and then the the, the problem with that is people forget the title of the entire franchise is Star Wars. Wait, what? It is. It's a war. Wait, no. It's called Star Wars Good. <laughs> Star Wars no, Good. It's called Star Good. Star Good. Uh, but like, Star Goodness. <laughs> but a lot of people like. Forget about that. That it's one of those things that I, I remember in an interview with. Hold on uh, one second, Dave, because you had a great point. Okay, the title Star Wars is wars ever good? Exactly, and that's why I was going to bring up. I mean, George Lucas has mentioned in the in one of his past interviews that it's a story about war. People forget about that. <laughs> it's not about you know like the. It's not about good versus evil it's a story about war everything about it and i'll never forget like him saying war is not all good and evil there's there are things about it that people have to do that people do not want to do and that's what i really dug about when they when rogue one came out rogue one came out it showed the gray side of Star Wars but, but, perfectly. But David, there's one thing we can't 
ever forget the sage advice from episode eight. That's how we're going to win through love, not Not fighting what we hate, but fighting for what we love. You dumb bitch. Oh my God, David. I don't condone that speech. I condone it. (laughs) It was wonderful advice that I feel like a lot of people can take to heart, Dave. (laughs) And then cue the rainbow. rainbow. The more you know. The more you know. The after school PSA that I felt when she said that line. Oh, my God. (laughs) Saving what we love. I'm sorry. I brought us to a very dark place. <laughs> I brought us to a very dark place. Oh, no. We could go even darker. You know, the whole, the whole, I want to crush them all, but I want to be nice to everyone. <laughs> Look at all those people down there. All those wealthy people. They're bad. They're bad. I want to, I want to crush all of them. <laughs> like, I'm going to blow wow. up this town. <laughs> I'm going to trample over all these people. Never mind the family that saved all this money to get to this casino, but they are also bad. Everyone's bad. Everyone's bad. If you're here, you're bad. All right. We just went on a tangent there. So bringing it back to what's important, Dave. And no, it's not loving. We're no longer in a place where simplicity will work as well as it has in years past. And when people get upset about how Star Wars has changed, you know, it was no longer about good versus evil. I feel like these are routes to more, to more intelligent stories. Are we going to get these intelligent stories with every comic book series and every novel and every movie? No, but these are routes that will take us there. Eventually Um, there's almost a bit of a philosophical flair now at times that really wasn't there. Yes. Yoda philosophical. Yes. the, The ways of the Jedi philosophical, but it was more lip service. Yes. Yeah. Now they're taking that philosophy and they're embedding it into a lot of their stories. Not all of them. There's a lot of stinkers out there, but they're embedding it into their stories and it just makes it feel more vibrant and real to life. And that's the beautiful thing about this series is like the writer that they have for TIE Fighter has shown in the past to be able to do stories like that. And Jody Hauser has been able to do stuff like that. Her earlier stuff in Age of Age of the Republic, that mean you have covered phenomenal she, needs she to write, understands she needs it. to write everything jody hauser <laughs> needs to just write everything she she understands it she understands what it means to be a star uh, to be a star wars story who's the current writer of the ongoing star wars series <sighs> right now he's doing a pretty good job it's the gentleman that did the first vader series the dark lord of the sith i believe is what it was titled where dr Affer was introduced uh, i believe he's up. the gentleman that took over for uh Aaron, Jason, Aaron, Jason, Jason Aaron. Aaron. Yeah. Yes. Jason Aaron. When he decides to quit and retire and leave, cause he's been doing this for about a little over a year now. Can we bring Jody Hauser on? Can oh, you absolutely. imagine be, if she tackled the main star Wars title, Dave, that would be an amazing transition because Jason Aaron, his writing is just the same, just the same as Jody's where it's like, he can take something and give something substance to it and meaning without giving like what you called lip service. Yeah. Listen, I love Jason Aaron. The guy's an, uh, is a comic book icon, but um, if he doesn't look out, Jody Hauser, Jody Hauser is right behind him. Dude, he, she's going to just tackle him and take over because yeah. she is good. Everything she is writing is good. 
just so good. Did you get that guy's name yet? Yeah, Jason Aaron. No, the one who took over for him. Oh, the one who took over for him. Um, because yeah, I looked up the original. You know what? Jason I'm Aaron. really angry right now because you didn't do what I asked. So I'm going to remember Rose's words. <laughs> <laughs> How I'm going to win is through love. <laughs> and then explosions. Oh my god. If you wanted to take out that big old cannon like Finn did right now, I'll just let you. <laughs> just just go, go in there and end it. <laughs> We're real professional on the show. Oh, yeah. Marvel writer. I'm, I'm about to find it. Hold on. I'm trying to. <clears> it's it. Kieran Gillen. Oh, wait. Looks like someone else took over. Hold on a second. Greg Pack took over. So Karen Gillan is the writer who penned several Star Wars comic books, including the 2019 miniseries Star Wars Age of Rebellion and the ongoing series Star Wars. Uh, yes, he has taken over with uh, number 68 and he ha- is now the. Because it went from Aaron to him. To Kieran Gillan and now Greg Pack. And then now Greg Pack. Oh, you guys, they missed the boat. I didn't know that Kieran Gillan actually hung it up. He went from 38 to 67 and Greg Pack took over now. And listen, I have a, I'm not I'm behind, and that's probably why I didn't know. That's de- not probably that is why I didn't know. But they missed the boat again. I don't know how good Greg Pack is, but Jesus, give Jody Hauser a chance. Yeah, Jody Jody deserves a chance at the main Star well, Wars. Well, because title. dude, she packs so much story. See, everything we're talking about right now has stemmed from one issue, Dave. We're only covering the first issue, and look how much conversation one issue. Has created she's good she's good now getting back on track let's get back to where we were at this whole gray area that has been introduced into star wars in a really big way and i'm not saying it hasn't been there it's you've had your anti-heroes you've had that han solo cd underbelly vibe i guess for a long time but in the end it was will you choose Good or will you choose bad? Will you choose to help the rebellion or will you choose to be selfish? That's still themes of good versus bad. Bad, yeah. Now we're in this gray area. And this is something, as I said at the top of the show, that we've talked about for almost four years or, or longer. When we first started to see books and comics surface that were starting to lead us in that direction. Even, as I said, as far back as the introduction of agent Callus and saw Guerrera and the direction saw Guerrera story went in rogue one and rebels. I mean, there are questions of ethics. Uh, does the end justify the means, any method, even a morally bad one may be used to achieve your end goal. If the consequences of inaction are dire and listen, I don't get paid enough to answer that question, but I am presenting the excellence that is used within the story's narrative. I mean, it goes right back to, again, real life. When the United States dropped the bomb on Japan, that ended the war. To this day, people say that was a horrible thing. And when you think about it, yeah, you dropped a nuke. You dropped an atomic bomb on a group of individuals. Can you imagine that happening in today's environment? It wouldn't happen. It would create all out war and we would all be annihilated. Yes. But the thing is, is that there has been so many studies done that 
has justified it. And I'm not justifying it. I'm saying that there's an argument to be made. There has been studies, numerous studies done that have showed that millions of lives were saved because the war ended when the United States dropped the atomic bomb. Yes. So did we lose our soul, the United States? Did we lose a portion of our soul when we made that decision? Absolutely. But at the same time, those are the questions that the president at that time had to make and the people in the positions of power. Does the ends justify the the means? means, To them, it did. And this isn't the 70s and 80s comics anymore. We require a bit more in the way of meaning. And yes, even intent. That's something that was also put into this comic book. Intent, you may ask. Well, what do you mean by that? A message, essentially. What is being said besides the obvious? And let's be honest, unless you're a bloodthirsty cult army, you feel like you're justified. As we've said various times, you're never the bad guy in your own story. It doesn't mean you're right. It just seems you've been in. It just is the fact. It's just that you've been indoctrinated in some way. Indoctrination gets a bad rap as well. And I know people may say indoctrination. That's what happens to, you know, people that are in cults and Nazi Germany and the Jews are bad. And people may even say that's what we're doing here in the United States with xenophobia. But there are negative connotations attached to indoctrination. And like I said, rightfully attached at times. But we have all been indoctrinated, Dave. Yes. To some degree. Upbringing, uh, political ideology. It's just a matter of individualism that will counterbalance all indoctrination that we all suffer or go through. And this is where issue number one excels. Above all the various menial miniseries uh, not including Vader or Afra or the ongoing Star Wars, Jody Hauser gives us a real look into soldiering. The yes. look at war from the perspective of soldiers that are not necessarily evil, just born on a different side. Well, that's why I'm glad you brought that up because one of my favorite points in the story has to be that conversation between the two pilots when uh, the uh, they're both lovers. And they, one looks at the, him and says, oh, you got to be careful about what you say because people might misconstrue, you know, you supporting the Rebel Alliance. And then he – the one of the most powerful moments in this comic that I felt Jody Hauser got right mm-hmm. was when he says, whatever the name, it, it's still the peoples and the planets. That's who we're fighting for at the end of the day. And then she says, I know that... And we're fighting for the ones we love. Let's not forget. <laughs> well, here's the funny part. She says, I know th- that and know what you mean. It's those who don't know you as well that I worry about. And that right there, that whole moment just encompasses what Jody Hauser is trying to do. Well, it shows the complication between war and the individual. And the individual. Yes. And... That's what the, the core is about this story is like trying to show that, hey, not all the empire was were all badasses and evil and, you know, dark troopers. They were normal people. They were normal pilots. Like, you know, just like what you said, soldiers. They were soldiers. That was it. Well, we get this idea and it's because of it's how Luke is painted with that with his brush during the early years of Star Wars. We get the idea that stormtroopers and the empire, there are no good people. And Kevin Smith and his genius way back in Clerks in 1991 introduced that whole debate. Well, hey, what about the contractors? 
<laughs> that were working on <laughs> the Death Star. It was a joke, yeah. It, w- it was a, an amazing joke and very insightful and, and, and ahead of its time. But it presented this idea years ago. I remember thinking, like, that's true. <laughs> that's kind of true. Wait a minute. And in this comic and in various, in this new era of Star Wars, they continue to go back to that. They go in that direction. There was a line that was said by one of the TIE fighter pilots. And after his, I don't want to say his loyalties were questioned, but his girlfriend was saying, hey, you got to be careful what you say. Yeah. And he says, well, listen, I'm never going to switch sides. Five generations of Republic pilots will crawl themselves out of their graves and hunt me down if I were to betray the Empire. Yeah. This was a powerful statement made, made by this pilot because he's a part of the Empire. And we forget what the prequels did when it comes to the perception of the Empire. It was no longer, even back with the prequels, it was no longer, oh, the Empire is just this evil force. Well, what makes up this evil force? Well, people that were fighting on the right side. People that were fighting against the Separatists who were viewed as terrorists. Yep were brought into the fold within the empire. They continued to fight under this new government agency through the, the, the guise of solidarity, I guess, because of the manipulative lives, lies of the Sith Lord Palpatine or Darth Sidious. So you, you begin to see that things are way more complicated than simply good versus evil, especially with what we saw in the prequels and how the empire makes up the new the, the republic forces and the yep. ones who didn't agree who maybe were woke i guess is a good way of saying it they separated and they went off and did their own thing uh they either slowly started to form the rebel alliance or they made little pocket facets of resistance resistance yeah but the point is is that we cannot forget that these people that are asking these questions that are considered to be in the gray area are not evil these people were born into it and they feel like what they're doing is good. Not everyone's privy to evil Sidious's plans and Tarkin's plans and Vader's plans. They're not they're not aware that they're committing mass genocide and destroying planets and and, and harvesting all the the resources of planets and then leaving them to die. The peoples, the indigenous peoples, they're not aware of what's going on. These are people that are being that are doing their duty, protecting the ones they love, protecting their planets, protecting the star systems yeah. because they feel like what they're doing is right. And their view of the separatists, which I thought was pretty fucking smart, that there was a character called the grandmother. Yeah. Commander Nurse. I cannot wait to I, see I love what they character. do with her. Yes. She is fascinating as hell. Um, but there's a character that refused to call the rebel alliance, the rebel alliance. Right. She called them the separatists. And then suddenly we realize, okay, so we have a character here who's an Imperial pilot talking about his new Republic ancestors or his Republic ancestors. And then you have a, an Imperial officer calling the rebel alliance separatists. separatists. Suddenly you realize, holy shit. The empire is the Republic. And the separatists are basically the rebel alliance. Yeah, especially to a person like Commander Nurus, who is part of that generation. She's part of the generation that grew knowing about the separatists. Yeah. And to her, the rebel alliance is not uh, 
that's not that's not a name. That's not she's not going to refer to them as that. She refers to them as the separatists. It's also that's what they are. It's also an interesting look at how governments crumble, form, and how resistance pockets get radicalized and form and turn into other things. Uh, For example, how many offshoots has Al Qaeda created Mm -hmm. in the Middle East? How many offshoots has ISIS created in the Middle East? One thing started as something else and then it becomes something entirely and i'm not trying to i'm not painting a broad brush here and calling the rebel alliance bad by any means no no i I think for the most part we can decide we can all agree whether gray or not the rebel alliance are the good guys it it always goes back to that classic line in star wars that obi-wan said it's always from a certain point of view exactly we're seeing things as a certain point of view and that's why like with commander nurse i think the fact that Jody Hauser chose to make an imperial officer, number one, female, call her grandmother, actually helped kind of soften the image of the imperial officer. Because you got to remember, before this, who are the imperial officers that everyone kind of looks towards? Tarkin, mm-hmm. Thrawn. Right. Those are the two bigs. And you automatically say, oh, all imperial officers are evil. They're all evil. But then you get this one person like Nurris, who is an imperial officer, call her grandmother. And all she really thinks about is she was part of that war with the separatists. That's That's, what the rebel alliance is. Her mindset has not changed. Her mindset has not changed. From her perspective, it's still the Republic versus the the terrorist group known as the separatists. The people who broke from the rightful control of the government and refused to acquiesced to the rightful rulers of the galaxy at that time and they're creating unrest so it just all of this and this is all an issue one all of this is there to set the table and to help people understand and they're not going to spell things out you have to be able to dissect like we're doing and allow it to marinate and then you'll be able to see a lot of what they're doing it's not it's not grandstanding it isn't soapboxing but there is a social message there about war and it just it's about the complications of war that is not as simple as it's not black and white. Yeah. And, and that's the beautiful thing about issue one. It's very straightforward when it comes to uh, conveying the idea that war is complicated. War is complicated. And the thing that I really like too, is like Jody Hauser has a way of just like what you said, not standing on a soapbox. She lets the story tell itself. It's reality. It's reality. And reality is in soapboxing. If she is conveying stories steeped in realism, then it's going to feel natural. It's not going to feel contrived and forced. Mm-hmm. And that's what she's done with issue number one. And I am excited to see what issue two, three, four, and five have in store for us. We're going to be covering all of them once they, once I get my hands on them. I believe issues two through five are already out, right? Yes. Those are already or two out. through four, two through four, two through four are one through four. Jesus, one through four are out already. And we will get through them soon here. Now, there are some interesting characters, as we have said, that um, were introduced as a way inside this moral quandary. And they are known as Squadron Five, the Shadow Wing. Shadow Wing. And their ragtag group. They're pretty cool. We don't know much about all of them as of yet, but we have five interesting characters with a lot of potential. All of them not easily understood. 
I feel like issue one did a really good job introducing this group with question marks. What are their intents? What, what is their intent? What is their purpose? What will they do for the story moving forward? And where will their allegiances lie? That's how you write a first issue. You set up the world, you set up the politics, you set up the theme, you set up the characters. Yes. And that's exactly what Jody Hauser managed to do all in the first issue. Now, as I said at the top of the show, this is a companion piece, they're calling it, to the novel, The Alphabet Squadron, that dropped about eight weeks ago, mm-hmm. I believe, roughly. And if it is half as good as issue number one here, I'm going to wait till I read issues one through five. And if I fully am immersed in Star Wars greatness, I will cover this book next day. Or we. I feel like we should cover this book next on an upcoming show. No, absolutely. I'll because sit like, down, I'll lock myself in a room, and I will read it until I'm done. And then we'll review and discuss and break it down. But I'm telling you now, Dave, there's a lot of expectations now. And I know Jody Hauser <laughs> didn't write this book. That's the tough part. It's like the novel isn't wrote, written by Jody. No, it's not written by Jody Hauser. It's written by uh, another individual. Uh, his name eludes me currently. But he's got some big shoes to fill now because because this first issue was damn good. And I also dig the artwork. Um, What's his name? Roche Antonio. Yeah, Roche Antonio. Did a really good job with the artwork uh, many times. I should say sometimes or at times the artwork for some of the Star Wars series kind of throw me off. But this one, I really dig how he did a lot of like the character basically the character close-ups yeah. he really gave life to a lot of the characters and it helped jody's uh storytelling a lot yeah the, the body language fit the story itself my biggest problem with some comic books is i, I sometimes I, I get the idea i know this isn't true but i get the idea that the artist doesn't even know the script and he's just like oh, okay so in panel one you want a guy standing here and then you want in panel five and page seven, you want a guy looking at the reader. It doesn't fit with the story. Whereas this, I feel uh, Roche's work meshes with Hauser's words. Yes. And it helps you understand the characters a bit more. They are properly chosen panels uh, and they tell a parallel story to the actual narrative itself. So I definitely suggest everybody picking this issue up and plan on just picking up issues one through five if you're on the fence with star wars comics and you're like well no that's how good this first issue was don't be on the fence yeah climb on over that fence and definitely pick up issues one through five as i said i can't imagine it falling apart after issue one so pick up the the full issue order and enjoy yourself some great star wars reads dave give me your final thoughts final thoughts on this this is one of those special comics that not a lot of people have been talking about um, I think that people should pick up because Jody was able to masterfully weave a story that makes you want to buy the whole series. And that's one of the things that a lot of, uh, a lot of like the star Wars story comics that we've been getting kind of have, have a problem they, you get that first issue and you're like, going, okay, it's kind of boring and there's nothing to it. You just show these characters in flashy lights. That's about it. 
But Jody is able to set the table for us. And that's what you have to do as a comic book writer is your first issue has to set the table and make your audience want to pick up the entire series. What? I got to write good? Yes. And like she's able to – she was able to actually do that in this series to make me say, yeah, I'm going to actually pick up this entire series right from the get-go. When normally I would give a series like two or three issues and say, am I going to finish it? She was able to actually give me an issue where, yes, I want to finish this because I'm, quote, unquote, emotionally invested into this these characters and not just one character, all the characters. She was able to actually make all the characters down to the commander really interesting and compelling to make me want to know more about them. All right. I agree with everything you said, Dave. I'm glad you enjoyed this. I'm glad you recommended it to me because you're the one who told me I should read it. I, I I found this one and this one like flew under the radar on me. Well, I'm I'm just not interested typically in squadron stories. I said this during our pre-show. Um, that's why I just kind of shrugged this one off. When they announced this as well as the alphabet squadron, I was like, eh, who cares? I'm not really into that stuff. Do I enjoy it when it's a part of Star Wars as a whole? Yeah, for sure. But as individual side stories, it's just not typically my thing. I'm more into the mysticism of Star Wars. I'm more into Jedi, Sith, Force wielders. Those, that's what really draws me into the world of Star Wars. But I decided that I would give this a chance, and I'm definitely glad I did. Because, yes, it's not typically my cup of tea, but I enjoy good reads. And whether it's steeped in the surreal or the real, if it's good, then I'm okay with it. So we'll be coming back and discussing issues two through five as well. Once they're all out, I want to thank everybody for listening. You can find all of our shows past and present on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google play. Just search star Wars from the back to tank, leave us reviews, tweet us, like our tweets, retweet us, help us out. That's how we gain traction. How we grow as a show. Otherwise I'm going to wrap this shit up <laughs> and just fly off into a ship like Haldo. Or, or is that not going to have to actually Amro Haldo? Ha- right? have to save you. <laughs> yeah, you might, and remember, yeah, yeah. we're trying to save people with I'm our gonna love. Su- I'm going to try to suicide myself, <laughs> and David will. Well, not David. He'll let me suicide myself. <laughs> the <laughs> listeners need to run me off my path and say, "No, Michael, how you're going to succeed in podcasting is by loving, not hating." All right, Dave. May the force be with us. Oh, yes. <laughs>